2: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. It is
3: Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
4: Well, if you're out here on the West Coast, you've made it to tomorrow as it is now officially Wednesday out there in the Continental 48 states and that means that we are in for a big Wednesday as we've got a lot that's going to be going down on the diamond. We're going to have the NBA Finals resuming on Thursday, but we're going to welcome on a gentleman to be able to talk about that in about 15 or so minutes as we're going to be welcoming on Scott Reichel. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast. He is the co-host of the NBA Gambling Podcast, so Going to be taking a look forward there see if there's any player props that he's liking and any angles in general, although I will say one angle that I've loved just all throughout the NBA playoffs, if you like the favorite, just lay the points. If you like the underdog, take the money line as I think that a lot of people would be surprised to know here in the NBA playoffs, seven out of the, I believe now, 85 games have won a landing on the spread. So certainly has been a case in which hasn't come into play too much here in the playoffs. We shall see if that winds up being the case on Thursday, but that said, we've got a lot that is going on in the sports world, and hey, U.S. Open is going to be starting up on Thursday when well, I'm talking about that in our number one with Dave Ross, and if you want to missing that, vston.com slash podcast. We've got you guys covered there, and I've got you guys covered with what we're going to be seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. going to hit a lot of baseball here in the final hour, and we're going to start with a team that very nearly had a no-hitter in game number two of their double dip. Now they wind up having to come back on Wednesday trying to be able to Duplicate something like that as Jack Flaherty is going to be taking the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals against Ronci Contreras of the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is 909, 910 on the betting board with Captain Jack Flaherty. The Cardinals are going to be finding themselves anywhere between minus 160 to a minus 165 between plus 145 and plus 150. Your price on Pittsburgh with a total of 8.5 and just interesting in general to dive into Jack Flaherty because. Whenever he's been out there on the field, this guy has been a complete ace of a pitcher. I still remember. I believe it was towards the end of the 2019 series season. He wound up having won the best second half to a season I had really ever seen. He wound up having a bad first half. He was able to pick it up. Well, now if he has a bad first half of the season, he might not have enough time to be able to pick it up. He did wind up making a few rehab assignment appearances for the St. Louis Cardinals. I believe that he wound up making two in total as he wound up throwing just seven innings. Looks solid in those appearances, right around 11 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Did a good job of being able to keep the contact in general downs, but that said, he just hasn't seen a lot of time out there on the mound in general, so you've got to figure that the St. Louis Cardinals, looking at the history of how they've treated Jack Flaherty injuries, that they're going to wind up just pretty much making sure that they wind up treating him with kids' gloves. They are going to be probably very, very cautious with him, so I would anticipate this being more like a for maybe, if you're lucky, five-inning appearance with regards to Jack Flaherty. Meanwhile, you take a look at Ron Contreras. He's a very good 22-year-old that I think he's probably going to need a little bit more seasoning at the big league level. I could wind up seeing a little bit of regression for him because he's actually done a very good job in his first few starts here with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's got very electrifying stuff. on getting a little bit of a cup of coffee last season, but... Take a look at what he's done thus far, 257 area this season. He wound up actually beginning the season out there in the bullpen before he started to get into the starting rotation of the team. And if you take a look at his minor league numbers as well, it indicates that he's probably going to have a little bit more of a lack of command than he's shown thus far as this season in his five starts at AAA. He wound up giving up right around five walks per nine innings thus far but more like three walks per nine innings. So I do think that diving into that is something that is a little bit important. And on top of that for Contreras, he's just not backed up by a lineup that is going to be able to deliver much of anything. Now, Brian Reynolds, somebody who was an all-star last year, wound up hitting a 300. He got off to a cataclysmically bad start to the year. Over the last three days, he's been able to right around 290. And he's been able to now reach a double digit amount of homers for this team. So he's starting to pick it up for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Brian Hayes has been able to do a very solid job of being able to reach base for the team as well. He's hitting right around about a 280 ish. So, you've got a few guys where the Pittsburgh Pirates are able to lend a little bit of health. But that said, you've got a bottom of the lineup involving guys like Diego Casio, who had three errors in game one of their doubleheader. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're never going to be mistaken for a team that they play absolutely tremendous defense. But he, Daniel Vogelback, Jack Swazniski, Yu Chang, Hoy Park, you're able to go down the list of guys and get 220 or lower. For the team, it's not necessarily been too terrific for them. So that is going to be playing to their detriment. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, there is not too many things hotter on this earth right now than Paul Goldschmidt. Lava certainly is. I don't know what else is. He is hitting a three forty nine with a four thirty one on base, and he had three home runs in two games on Tuesday. So that is going to be able to help them out. Brandon Donovan, he's hitting a three thirty for this team. And then behind what you've got with Goldschmidt, these home runs that he's hitting, they're Becoming two and three run shots because the other guys are able to get on base, like Nolan Gorman, Juan Yepes. These guys are in between about a 265 to a 275. Nolan Arenado, he's hitting about a 280 along with Tommy Edmond. And with Arenado, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. So you've had a lot of very solid play with regards to the St. Louis Cardinals team. The bullpen can be a little bit shaky. You haven't necessarily gotten great results out of guys like a TJ McFarland, but Miles Michael is very nearly completing the game two appearance. That was very big for them. He winds up going in two-thirds innings. It wound up being a hit with two outs in the ninth inning that wound up costing him a no-no. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a very interesting set, in my opinion. If you look at them, out of their 24 wins this season, 20 have come from the non-starter, have come from the bullpen. So they haven't been able to get a lot of great starts in general out of this team. And You've had to use up quite a few bullpen pieces. David Bernard has been very good for the team. Anthony Banda and Heath Embry, they wanted coming out of the bullpen yesterday. And Both of these guys north of a 7 ERA, and you just take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates team as a collective. It just is not going well for the bullpen, despite the fact that they've got all the wins that they do. They've got a 416 ERA, that is 17th out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're a little bit more trustworthy. They're finding themselves right around 14th, but I think that's important when you want to take a look at the Cardinals' bullpen, by the way, that... You remove the three innings pitched by Elber Pools and Yadier Molina this season because that would probably send them closer to about 12, 13-ish. So they are a little bit better than their numbers indicate because they've been having a little bit of fun with some of their veterans towards the end of games. But I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals should be a relatively sizable favorite, even though Captain Jack Flaherty probably not going to be going too far in this game. I do think that the bats are going to be able to erupt in. He's pretty much getting a rehab assignment here going up against a Pittsburgh Pirates team that has not been too terrific with regards to being put back to ball. And if you do like the St. Louis Cardinals on the run line, much like I do, a lot of places you're finding them at right around a plus 120 to a plus 125 juice. So that does appeal to me. And I do think that Flaherty company going to be able to hold down a Pirates team that they're just having a tough time putting back to ball in general. They wound up scoring two runs in 18 innings. Anex- on it Tuesday. So, looking at an under in this spot at the 8.5, I want up setting my total to where I look at an over at an 8, but 8.5, just a little bit too big here, so we're looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at a run line of the St. Louis Cardinals when it comes to National League teams as well. How about if we wind up going to our nation's capital? The Atlanta Braves, they have went streaking for 13 straight games. Now, they send Spencer Strider Tr- to the mound to face off against the Washington Nationals and Eric Fetty, 9-5, 6. and, well, the Atlanta Braves, they seem to be getting the steam on this streak. They opened up right around a minus 165 in a lot of spots. When I was doing my baseball podcast. Here you'll find them more around about a minus 150 to a minus 155 in some spots. Now they are up to between about a plus, minus 170 to a minus 180. Your plus price on the Nationals is anywhere between plus 155 and things as high as a plus 160 in total on this game. You're finding it at a 9. I would personally rather take a look at a run line of the Atlanta Braves rather than a money line of the Washington Nationals. A lot of places you're finding this run line price right around about a minus 105 to a minus 110-ish. I do think that we might be starting to get up a little bit too chalky in general. If you haven't bet this by this point, I would say maybe it's best to hold off. And If you want to be able to fade the streak, you'll probably find that the Nationals are going to continue to go up and up and up. This is one of these cases which, if you like the Atlanta Braves, Probably best to bet it early. If you like the Washington Nationals, probably best to be able to hold off and wait because this is a number that the Nationals open up at a plus 140. Now you're finding them in some places north of a plus 160. So we've already seen 20 cents of line movement. And it would be very much in line with what we wound up seeing on Tuesday where you wound up seeing the Atlanta Braves open up at a minus 180. They close as a minus 270-ish in some spot. At hot as high as minus three dollars at DraftKings, so I we saw a tremendous move. So this could be a case in which you could be able to get a good p- plus price on the Nationals and with Spencer Strider, I'm not necessarily too in on him as a starter. I think that he's going to be tremendous in two to three years. He is a guy that's just giving up too many walks right now, right around four and a half walks per nine innings. The strikeout stuff it is absolutely filthy, but that's why I felt like he was a little bit better as a long reliever rather than a starter at this point. Two to three years from now, I think that Spencer Strider can certainly be one of these guys that winds coming around and does a very solid job. But that said, right now it's a little bit more of a horse apiece situation. And for Eric Fetty, right now got a 480 year command. It's been a little bit of an issue for him. He's been giving up right around a home run and a half for nine innings and really gave up the bombs last season. But that's exactly why I do like the over in this spot because though the Washington Nationals, they are not necessarily so great with regards to their record, they're in the top five in the big leagues in terms of batting average. You've got a lot of guys that have been able to a solid job and be able to find their way on. Nelson Cruz, along with the Hernandezes, Yadiel Hernandez, along with Cesar Hernandez. You're able to throw in there key Ruiz, who's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Mikel Franco, all these guys, they're in between about a 262 and a .270 for Cruz. Hitting well above a three hundred over the last 30 days. Josh Bell is hitting a 295 now. Juan Soto is... Currently dealing with an injury, there is a chance that you might not wind up being able to go in this one, but a Soto who opened up the year as the National League MVP favorite, which why he wound up doing so, I have no idea because I just can't necessarily get behind guys that are MVP favorites on teams that you know are going to be terrible and everyone knew the Washington Nationals were going to be terrible this year. It really leaves no margin for error when you're hitting at 230 and even though he's got like 13 home runs this season, there's no way that he can wind up getting the award. He hasn't necessarily been elevating the Nationals like you thought that he would be able to. Still a loss, but not as big of a loss as you'd think. If this winds up getting north of a plus 170, I think that there might start to be some value in fading the streak with the Atlanta Braves. But where I'm seeing the value right now is on the total over. So that's what I'm taking a look at with regards to that one. And what we're going to be taking a look at next is the NBA Finals because that is going to be coming up next. And we're going to be joined by Mr. Reichel. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Scott Reichel is going to be joining me next right here on v Esports Esports Bank. Network. Ice cold beers and cold Art cash join in on the pitch, which join in on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Join in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com/Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken beer made better. 21 years or older. In terms, and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions. To apply cdraftkings.com for details. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by our guest. This man does great work over there at the Sports with Gambling Podcast Network, and he is the co host of the NBA Gambling Podcast. As we've got Scott Reichel joining me on the show, you're able to find, follow him on Twitter at Reichel Radio. And great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you.
6: Yep, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Of course, it's a great time in sports. You have the NBA Finals, which are Kind of wrapping up, which we're going to talk a lot about, and you have the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. What's not to
4: like? And then you've got the U.S. Open as well. We've got Mm -hmm. some good WNBA action. The MLB is going on, so there is quite a bit out there. Now A lot of it is going to be coming to an end relatively soon, because if the Golden State Warriors wind up winning on Thursday, that will be it. They will be the title winners over there, as it is going to be Game 6 with the Boston Celtics find themselves in a lot of places right around a a 3.5 to a 4-ish favorite, and what have you made just out of the series in general? Because it seems like we've had some very strange ebbs and flows. And I'm not sure about you, but what I've just noticed with regards to the NBA playoffs in general is that none of these games have been really landing on the total. If you have liked the favorite, laying the points has been good enough there. And if you like the underdog, money lines have been cashing. Well, it's also a story of
6: the entire playoffs and not a lot of games have been necessarily close <laughs> up to this point, whether that involves three-point variants, or whether that involves just a bunch of turnovers. These games have finished relatively lopsided, but you mentioned how there's been a lot of ebbs and flows. It's mostly because of the fact that these teams have been relatively streaky on the offensive end. If you want to talk about the three-point variants and how both teams really shot terribly from three in the last game, but turnovers have been the story and it seems like Golden State has done a better job recently of limiting those turnovers. Tatum just set the all-time playoff record for most turnovers ever, so that's not exactly a good record to have. But for me, it does seem like Golden State, the reason why I picked them before the series started to win in six was I figured that Golden State had enough depth when it came to wings that they would be able to at least wear down Tatum and Brown or make them work for it offensively over the course of a seven-game series and that's really been the story. Now, of course, nobody could have predicted how well Wiggins was going to play, and he's been borderline finals MVP runner-up right now. I still think Curry's got the easy...
4: I agree with you. I I do think that Steph Curry does wind up having the little bit of the upper hand there, and if you do take a look at the market for odds to be able to win MVP right now, you are finding him as the favorite there, but... With that said, it certainly is going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting in terms of these final few games. Got to feel like Steph Curry, who never won finals MVP, he is going to be able to, if the Golden State Warriors win, that's a big giant disclaimer. They've got a good shot of being able to get it, but that said, certainly is a case which we're going to be taking a look there. As we're having a little bit of technical difficulties with Scott, we'll try to get him back on the horn, but that said, it is a case which we've also seen the total wind up coming down for game number six. It wound up opening up at 211.5. Right now, you're finding it anywhere between a 210 and a 210.5, so that is going to be a interesting little bit of a look because we wound up seeing game number five wind up going under, and what I think is going to be so key with taking a look at things is what winds up happening with regards to the rebound battle because you did wind up seeing it in that big, crucial game four for the Golden State Warriors. The reason why they were able to seal back home court is because they were able to do a great job being able to be completely dominant on the glass. But you take a look at what wound up happening in Game 5, it was actually a case in which the Boston Celtics wound up winning on the ba- on the glass. But the problem was, with regards to the Boston Celtics, they wound up just not being able to do a good job on offense themselves. The 18-6 turnover margin, which talked about on the show yesterday with our good friend Matt Humans, that wound up being very costly for them. And I know that Scott wound up bringing up what we wound up seeing in terms of in terms of Andrew Wiggins, and I think that he's really been just a godsend in general for the Golden State Warriors, they've really been able to get a lot of production out of him. And when you take a look at what you're going to be able to get on the flip side for the Boston Celtics, I know that John Von Tobo does an absolutely amazing job for us at the network of being able to take a look at the NBA. He is our main NBA guru. He's been mentioning the fact that Robert Williams has honestly been right around the top player for this team because he does a great job when it comes to their defense. He does a great job of being able to hit the glass. We've seen him have a bunch of multi-block games. I think that that's going to be absolutely crucial for the Celtics team. Now, when it's all said and done, I do think that the Golden State Warriors are going to be able to get the job done. And I could see it wind up happening in Game 6. I would much rather take a little bit of a in-game look at this because I mentioned it with our good friend Dave Ross in our number one, when it does wind up coming to the NBA, the reason why the NBA is one of the best sports CBO bet in game is that there's just so many ebbs and flows with it. You're gonna find when you wind up having an NBA bet in more most games. Now, there are some exceptions to this. We've seen just a couple flat out blowouts, but in a lot of NBA games, you're gonna find the team that you want to betting on is going to be up by 10 plus points and they're going to be down by 10 plus points. So that is a way to be able to take a look at things as we do have our good friend, Scott Reichel back on the horn and Scott, when it comes to taking a look at game six, what do you think is really going to be a crucial, I guess you call it factor that is going to be coming in for the Boston Celtics. What do you think that they really need to adjust that they did not wind up doing in game five?
7: Well, of course it's going to be difficult for them to fully switch up their entire offensive identity. But when they rely so heavily on isolation scoring late in games, and from what we've seen, Golden State's wing defenders have really done a great job at forcing Tatum and Brown into making some difficult shots and dash or decisions. I feel like Boston needs to definitely create more off ball movement for its supporting cast. If you were looking at the fourth quarter possessions in the last couple of games, it's mostly Tatum or Brown dribbling around the perimeter until there's about five seconds left and chucking up a contested shot. And you can look at Marcus Smart standing in the corner. Horford's been basically a non-factor offensively since game one. It just seems like Boston has become extremely stagnant late in games because they really don't have a plan B. They give the ball to their star player, tell them to do something, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it seems like Golden State, what they're known for, of course, is the elite ball movement, how they're willing to get everybody a touch, Boston really hasn't done that, and I feel like they need to definitely create a little bit more movement off ball, set up some better looks, and potentially not rely on Tatum to make a bunch of difficult shots late in games.
4: And is there anyone in particular that you think could wind up being able to step up, maybe go over their player prop when it comes to Boston? Because when it comes to the Celtics, I think that Grant Williams could wind up being a big key for this team because we wind up seeing that closeout game against the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think that he's going to have another one of those where he wound up having 25 plus points that he really took over that game. He was really, really big for them. But that said, I take a look at Williams. I think that he's going to need to have a little bit of an eruption in this game. I'm not sure if you're looking at anyone that you think could wind up having a big game, but I take a look at Williams and I think that he's going to be very key for Boston in this game.
7: Well, I think he's going to help because he, he gives them a bit of three point shooting and we know Boston's three point shots have not exactly been consistently falling throughout this series. I guess the one concern with Grant Williams is the bit of the injury that he suffered last game. He kind of tweaked something, so we'll see what his status is moving forward. I'm waiting for Al Horford to kind of reassert himself, and I know that offensively he's never been a main-main option, but he had a great game one, and it feels like he's been a complete afterthought ever since. We know Boston, as I mentioned before, should be doing a bit more of the off-ball stuff, potentially even setting some off-ball screens, setting up some pick-and-pops, I think Horford could be in line for a decent game here, especially if you're looking at a point prop of about 9.5, which sounds pretty low for a guy who should be playing somewhere north of 35, 37 minutes in a must-win game here. So I think Horford could be in line for a double-digit scoring performance. But besides that, Grant Williams is at 4.5, which is pretty low. I guess the one concern would be how often he actually has the opportunity to shoot because, once again, he doesn't really have the ball in his hands that much.
4: Yep, I think that that is a big concern, so I'm glad that you bring that up. And, Scott, we've got about 90 seconds here with regards to the total. We have seen the total wind up going down a little bit, open up right around 2.11 down to a 2.10, and as we know, it is way down from what we wound up seeing just a few games ago. Do you think that the under trend is going to continue, or do you think that this total has maybe went down a little bit too low?
7: I personally still like the under. I think there's several ways for it to cash, but the main story in the series based on the totals has been the pace or the lack thereof. These teams are very thorough with their offensive sets, and they seem to really take a lot of time off the clock, especially Boston late in games. So for me, I still like the under. There's no guarantee both teams get to 100 in Game Six, so I do think that this total does still seem a little bit too high.
4: Yep, it's going to be so fascinating to see what we wind up getting in that game. As Scott Reichel does an absolutely terrific job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, he does the NBA Gambling Show and. Scott, it was great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me.
7: Yeah, thanks for having me.
4: It is great to be able to get a little bit of insight there, and it's going to be a very fascinating Game Six that we're going to be getting, and it's going to be coming up on Thursday. So, if you are someone that you wind up taking a look at, sort of zigzag theory, sort of tired legs or not, that we did wind up getting an extra day of rest, much like we wind up seeing when the game wound up going to Golden State for Game Five as well. So, we've been sort of continuing with regards to that trend and. We're going to continue on by trying to give you guys as many winners as humanly possible for Wednesday. Coming up next, we're going to be taking a little bit of a look as to all the action that we're getting with regards to Major League Baseball for Wednesday. That is right here on the Look Ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is the Look Ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: This is The Look At right here on VEASAN, the Sports Banking Network. Big thanks to Scott Reichel, who or Scott Reichel who wound up joining me in the last segment. He actually wound up having a situation which our internet winds up going out. So if you notice a little bit of a the pause there, that wound up happening. And the folks behind the scenes, they were able to fix everything. So you got to give a good shout out to the people behind the scenes because you never know when your internet is going to poop out. And those guys always have a solution to be able to deliver. So big shout out to Scott Big shout-out to all the guys behind the scenes that work so hard to be able to bring you guys just great content in general. So, big thanks to them and a big thanks to Scott. Now let's take a look at everything that we've got with regards to the baseball betting board for this Wednesday as we've had on quite a few games, but there are a few games that they're just starting to come on to the betting board. There's a lot of circumstances in which you'll find this where you wind up having like some sort of a starter wind up getting switched at the last minute. You'll have a starter that... It's not necessarily a switch, but it was like to be determined going into the games for Tuesday. And then after the Tuesday games, the manager decides, oh, we're going to try it out there. In the case of the San Diego Padres, Ryan Weathers. And typically, Circa has been the first to market with this. So I've got a little bit of access to some of these numbers. And typically, you are going to see from the Circa opener a little bit of movement. So I'm going to give you guys exactly what I've got right now. And... We'll take a look at it as we wind up going 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is going to be the Chicago Cubs playing us to the San Diego Padres once again. Only place I'm really finding a number on this game is Circa, as Caleb Killian is going to be making his second career start for the Cubs, and Ryan Weathers is going to hope to weather the storm in his first start of the season for the San Diego Padres. Padres are right now finding themselves right around minus 105, minus 115 on the Cubs, and your total is opening up at a sky-high and a half. The over and the under are both at minus 110, and if you're wondering, oh my goodness, why is there a game not at Coors Field with a total of 11 and a half If you take a look at the forecast for Wrigley Field, wind is going to be blowing out, and the wind is going to be blowing out right around about 12-ish miles per hour. So what you were seeing on Tuesday with a game that wound up going over with Sean Manea and, and Kyle Hendricks taking them out, you're going to see something very similar here. Good news is I don't think that we're going to see the Cubs give up 11 runs and four innings out of their bullpen once again, but you have to be very concerned about this Cubs bullpen because it is not going well for these guys, and that is putting it about as politely as I can as you take a look at it, and Scott Efras has really regressed for this team. Rowan Wick is not giving the team good innings. Michael Givens won the best veterans for this team. He wound up giving up four runs, and he got zero outs yesterday, so it's a little bit of an issue. You take a look at the way that things are just wound up going, for lack of a better term, straight down the toilet bowl for the Chicago Cubs bullpen. They are now finding themselves in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. And after what we wound up seeing yesterday, probably even worse than the 18th than they wound up having coming into the day. And do take a look at this Padres team. And it's not like they're necessarily the world's most trustworthy bullpen in the world. They've got a 361 ERA, but what they're able to do here is with Ryan Weathers, he's been terrible in the minor league level. I mean, I have no idea why they're bringing him back up at this point. He's got north of a 70 ERA. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. He walks four guys per nine innings. There's not a lot of redeeming qualities in general. And he actually looked pretty good towards the beginning of the 2021 season. He just got completely misused by Jace Tingler. And then from there, things wound up going completely off the rails for him. So you do feel for a young pitcher that he's got a lot of upside, but things just have not been able to, in general, go well for him, but that said, I do take a look at this Padres team, and they're able to back him up with a guy in Nebel Chrisman, who has been stretched out to be able to lend right around three innings of relief if needed to, so that is something that they've got in their back pocket. The Chicago Cubs, they really don't have that sort of luxury. and when it comes to the Cubs, it's been a case in which guys have been able to get on base for this team. I've been very impressed by guys like Rafael Ortega. Wilson Contreras wound up having a pair of home runs yesterday. He's doing his darnest to try to help out the team. He's got right around a 400 on base. You're able to throw in there Ian App. He's got right around a 365 to a 375 on base, along with Rafael Ortega. So, I mean, these guys have been relatively solid, and for the Padres, it's been really top-heavy. Eric Cosmer right around about a 285 for the team. Manny Machado, he has been one of the front-runners for MVP. I think that he's maybe getting a little bit too much love for MVP at this point, just because Paul Goldschmidt, Mookie Betts, Pete Alonso, I put them ahead of Manny Machado, but Machado Still having a tremendous year, hitting above a 3.20 for a team that has really, in my opinion, overachieved a little bit. Maybe they've been the beneficiaries of, shall we say, a little bit of a softer schedule, but so you have to go out there and win the games, and they certainly have been able to do that, but I do take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of this Padres team, and it's just more, and I think you're going to be able to get out of the Cubs in general, especially with the bullpens having their main concerns. It is a pair of bad starters, but I don't know if an 11-and-a-half is quite warranted here. I do think that it's a case of which for the Cubs, you've got a lot of guys getting on base, and really, other than Patrick Wisdom, who's been able to give you 12 home runs, but is also striking out in like 43% of his at pass along with Wilson Contreras. They just are going to be lacking a little bit of power to be able to take advantage of the wind itself, not just in this game, but moving forward. I think that is a little bit of an angle taking a look at with the Cubs, because when the wind is blowing out, you wind up seeing these Earls wind up going sky high and with the Cubs' inability to be able to get the ball in the air, I do think that that's going to be hurting them both in this game and moving forward. And with the Padres, set them as a slight favorite. So seeing the right around minus 105-ish I currently have at Circa, I'd be wanting to take a shot here on the Padres, and I'd be taking a look at an under as well. And then you've got the other game involving a Chicago team that right now we're finding a line at Circa, but we're not really finding a line elsewhere. This would be 9 9-14 on the betting board with the Detroit Tigers playing us to the Chicago White Sox Right now, it's going to be Vinny Velo, Vince Velasquez going for the White Sox, and Alex Fito is going to be going for the Tigers. And with the Tigers, you find them at a plus 102, and with the White Sox, and we find them minus 112. And seeing a total of eight and a half coming up onto the board. My internet did wind up crashing, so I might be winding up saying that wrong. But with that said, last check, I was seeing an eight and a half. But with that said, when it comes to this Detroit Tigers team, I needed at least a plus 112 to be able to take a shot. Minus 112 is pretty much the max that I'm willing to take with the White Sox and Vince Velasquez. And for Velasquez, he just has not been great on the road. He's giving up right around two and a half home runs per nine innings since the beginning of last season. But here's what's going to help him out. You've got a Detroit Tigers team that has hit, as a collective, 31 home runs in 61 games. They are pretty much 10 home runs ahead of the pace that Barry Bonds had in 2001 as one player. It is just a case of which you've got nothing going right for the Detroit Tigers. I mean, able you know, we'll to take a look up and down the list. You've got so many of these guys like a hey, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Eric Haas, or if they're going to throw in their Javi Baez. The list goes on and on of guys, maybe a 210 or lower. L- Robbie Grossman, another guy that you're able to throw in there. Harold Castro. Along with Miguel Cabrera, both of these guys hanging at 280 or greater, but you really don't have a lot of guys here you will trust in. Now, the one thing that you do have with the Detroit Tigers, and their bullpen did wind up getting taxed a little bit yesterday, but this has been a top three bullpen in terms of VRA. The Detroit Tigers have just been able to throw out their arms upon arms. These guys have all been able to do a relatively terrific job for the team of being able to hold down the fort, but it has been pretty ghastly bad when it comes to this Detroit Tigers offensive general, which is why... They're currently, he did last in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. I do think that they'll get to Vince Velasquez, but this is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And I think that that's going to play into the advantage of Velasquez. Meanwhile, with Mr. Fajardo, he has been very good with the Detroit Tigers. In every one of his starts, he has allowed either one or two runs. Nothing more, nothing less. He has not pitched fewer than five innings. He has not pitched more than six. Very steady, Eddie guy. Seven strikeouts per nine innings. Right around three walks per nine innings. He doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't do anything terrible. He is pretty much like if you wind up going into a restaurant, you've got your chef that's back there. He's doing all these crazy things. He's making a great meal. And then you hand it to the waiter and you say, don't spill the soup. He has been a very good waiter. He has not spilled the soup. He's been able to do a relatively solid job in a bad circumstance Where Detroit Tigers which on their starting rotation that you wind up seeing from opening day, on their starting five, four of them have landed on the injured list. Tariq Skubal has been the only one that's been able to stay healthy. And for the White Sox, you want to be taking note of their home and road splits. They are about as demonstrative, as you're going to find out there in the big leagues. They have been dealing with a couple of ailments. He has Monty Grandal back on the injured list, but he was paying below the windows line of 200. I question how much of a loss that is, especially with Reese McGuire starting to finally be able to pick it up for the White Sox. And to the credit of the White Sox, you have know, Jose Abreu, who... He was last year one of the top guys with regards to RBI, and really ever since he got to Chicago has been one of those. He's been hitting nearly a 300 over the last 30 days for the team. Jake Berger has been able to give the team a few home runs. You've had Andrew Vaughn be able to get on base. He's hitting right around 290. Luis Robert, whenever he's been out there, he has been relatively rock solid. I mean, Eloy Jimenez being out of the fold, and you've got to, in my opinion, downgrade the White Sox a little bit because, for one, the defense very sloppy, and for two, as a direct reflection of a man in... Tony La Russa, who I still will never get over the fact that he gave an intentional walk to a guy in a one-two count, because apparently he wound up saying, you know what, he hits well with two strikes on him, and gosh, I will never get over that one, that's just one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, but with that said... As long as Tony LaRusse is manager, you got to downgrade the Chicago White Sox a little bit. But with that said, I'm going to be willing to lay up to a minus 112 in this spot. And if you're seeing an 8.5 for Lourdes, you've got to expect that. Numbers are going to be coming onto the board in most places with regards to this game. Something like, I would say, eight 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, if you're looking Pacific Time. We're on 5 to 5:30. If you're able to get an eight and a half or less, I'd be taking a look at an over in the spot. And coming up in the final segment, just gonna be giving out what I like in general for Wednesday. We've got the Stanley Cup final starting up. I've got my DK Nation pick when it comes to everything that we're gonna be seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. So I'm gonna tie a nice little pretty bow around it next, right here on the look at on Beaston, the Sports betting Network.
5: work.
2: Zumo Play.
0: This is the Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving on every game? The betting splits page it is updated every ten minutes, so you can see all the changes in the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just doesn't match up with the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every single game now at VSIN.com as it is the final segment of The Look At with myself, Greg Peterson. If you're watching this live, congratulations. You get another three hours of me. Or I should say, unfortunately, you get another three hours from me. I don't know whether to say thank you or I'm sorry. It's one or the other. We don't know which. It all depends upon the viewer. But with that said, if you're listening to a replay, 4 a.m. Pacific Time, 7 a.m. Eastern, all the money is going to be coming your way. You're going to have a lot with regards to what's going to be coming up with Game 1 of the Stanley Cup. Obviously, we've got a big day on the Ball Diamond. And Thursday, Game 6 of the NBA Finals. There is no shortage of action that's happening right now. The U.S. Open is going to be getting started in right around 48 hours, so lots that is going down, and you've got a lot going down in New York. There always is. It's a city that never sleeps, so how about if we wind up making that the DK Nation pick as we're going to be taking a look at Brewers versus Mets. This is 907, 908 on the betting board. Corbin Burns, reigning Cy Young Award winner. it's going to be going for the Brewers, and you've got David Peterson, who's got a great name. He's going to be going for the New York Mets. Right now, the Mets finding them as a very slight underdog in this spot. Gonna be getting them anywhere between about a plus one oh five to a plus one ten. Meanwhile, Brewers are between a minus one twenty and minus one twenty-five favor with your total of seven and a half and with the seven and a half, you're finding that under with juice right around a minus one twenty. And what I want to make in the DK Nation pick is the Milwaukee Brewers. You take a look at Corbin Burns, and it's easy to be enthralled with the fact that he's a reigning Young Award winner with all the strikeouts. But what I think really gets lost with Corbin Burns, and something that I think needs to come to the forefront a little bit more, and it's a big reason why I did, why I'm making this a write-up. Corbin Burns has been actually far better on the road than he has been at home. You take a look since the beginning of the 2021 season, his Cy Young Award-winning season to now, he's posted up a 177 ERA on the road, and that compares to a 307 ERA at home. He's given up a few fewer home runs on the road rather than at home. I mean, both are impressive. He's given up like 0.66. Home runs at home versus a half a home run per game, per nine innings on the road. So, I mean, either way, he's been able to do a solid job, but has been just absolutely incredible to see it compared with 12.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, he's going up against a Mets team that they're number four in the league in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per at-bat basis, and they do lead the league in batting average. If you watch, they've been getting a tad bit lucky. Now, a lot of this is due to Buck Walter, and he's done a great job of being able to preach the little things to this Mets team. You put the ball in play, you've got a better shot of getting on rather than having a three pitch strikeout where you swing at a ball way out of the zone, things like that. And I don't think it could be understated what Buck Joe Walter has been able to do with this Mets team. They currently find themselves with the top record out there in the National League. And I mean, I think that a lot of that credit needs to go with the managerial change. But with the Milwaukee Brewers, what they also have, because let's call it what it is, they wanted getting pretty well throttled on Tuesday. They were down 4 to 0 for much of that game. They do have a rested Josh Hader. Was allowed two runs in his last 42 appearances, giving up zero runs in 41 out of 42 of those. You've also got Devin Williams out there in the fold. And when you've got Corbin Burns on the mound, if he's able to give you a solid seven innings, you just bring in Devin Williams in the eighth inning. You bring in Josh Hader in ninth. Boom. Nice, clean, and easy there. Meanwhile, with the Mets, they don't necessarily have as much of a lockdown closer. Edwin Diaz, he is in the top 10, but there's just nobody in the same stratosphere, in my opinion, as Josh Hader. And The guys getting him the ball can be a little bit suspect. Like you wind up seeing Drew Smith wind up getting used up in the game on Tuesday. And then on top of that, guys like a Jolie Rodriguez, Adam Onovino, even Seth Lugo, who I like Seth Lugo, but he's been having a little bit of a rough start to the year thus far. They just haven't been able to do the world's greatest lockdown job with the Mets. Mets are right around 11th in terms of bullpen ERA to this point. And you do take a look at what you're also able to get with regards to this Mets lineup. And, Pete Alonso has been absolutely incredible, but there's a reason why last season he wound up leading the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road, but was unable to get that batting championship. It's because this is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Citi Field, one of the most in all the big leagues, in my opinion. And you take a look at Corbin Burns, the one thing that has really been hurting him and the reason why guys have been having a little bit of a question mark with him is the home run ball and the way that he's been giving that up. But I mean, with him giving up fewer home runs on the road rather than at home and being in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, a ball that might wind up going out at Miller Park, I should say American Family Field, I always get that mixed up. There's always some of those stadiums where they have that change. For me, it's always Milwaukee. I'm always going to call it Miller Park for the rest of my life. But with that said, when it comes to a ball that might wind up flying out in Milwaukee, it might wind up staying in the yard here at City Field. So I do think that that's something to take a look at. And then you take a look at Mr. David Peterson, who's on the flip side. He's got a 3-0 record. He's got a respectable 3RA, but if you look at the fielding independent, it's more than a full point higher, which typically this is a little bit of a sign of regression. He's given up four and a half walks per nine innings, so he's been giving up only about a home run per nine innings, so he's been able to do a solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, but... I do think that those walks going up against the Brewers seem that they just haven't been able to do a great job with average in general. They're hitting as a collective right around 225 on the road. It's been a little bit of rough sledding for them. That is going to come into play, but I do think that there's going to be some positive progression with regards to this Brewers lineup. Christian Yelich wound up having that cycle a few weeks ago against the Cincinnati Reds. Certainly far from the MVP that we wound up seeing a few years ago, but he seems to be doing a little bit better. Than he had been doing the last few seasons in terms of just being able to get on base, move the line for this team. Got Rowdy Tillis with the double-digit amount of homers, William Thomas has as well. William Thomas been stuck in the mud a little bit this year, hitting below a 225. I think that he's going to be able to recapture a little bit of the form from last season. So I'm going to be making the DK Nation pick here. The Brewers' money line, I was personally willing to lay up to about a minus 143 with it. And when it comes to the total seeing it at a 7.5, I think that that is... In my opinion, I think the Peterson doing for a little bit of regression, but the Brewers, they've been struggling a little bit on offense, and I do think that with Burns on the mound, he is going to be able to do a nice job holding down this New York Mets lineup. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Brewers when it comes to the article that I'm writing up for DK Nation. And when it comes to the other big event that we're going to be seeing on Wednesday, Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final, we wound up having Stormy and who does a great job with my guys in the desert, talk about this in our number one and I'm riding with the Lightning both with regards to game one and with regards to the series I do think that there is something to that championship pedigree when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning now it is a case which the Colorado Avalanche they have been a complete and utter machine when it comes to putting up goals I believe that they have scored at least four four goals something like eight out of their last nine postseason game so they certainly have been able to do a nice job in that respect but I do anticipate Andre Vasilevsky being the most impactful player in this series. We wound up seeing him in that Florida Panther series. He gave up three goals in four games. And as the Lightning are getting healthier, the Avalanche, they're dealing with some ailments of their own. It's a little bit of a question mark who's going to be in goal for them for game number one. They have yet to announce their goaltender. So you just certainly want to be taking a look at that. And on top of that, when it comes to Braden Point, there's a chance that you might wind up going in game one now. Before you wind up making some sort of a quantum move with the Lightning, with Braden Point coming back, I think that it's important to look at him in game number one, because when it comes to guys that are a little bit banged up, it's not just important as to whether or not they wind up getting back out there, in this case on the ice, in other cases on the field, on the court, what have you, but it's important to note if they're anywhere close to 100%. From all reports, it seems like Braden Point has actually been with the team the last few weeks, so... That should be able to give them a nice little bit of a boost. And then when it comes to sort of the rest versus rust sort of mentality that we wind up having, I do think that in game one, the Lightning being the team that wound up playing last, going six games with the New York Rangers as opposed to a team in the Avalanche at They've had more than a full week off. They wound up being able to sweep the Edmonton Oilers. That's going to play a little bit more of a factor in Game 1. Like You wound up seeing it with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They came out very flat in Game 1 against the Rangers, a team that went seven games in their series prior against the Carolina Hurricanes, and then they wound up coming out Game 1. They looked like just the more motivated team. It's just one of those things in which it feels like if you've got just your rhythm with you a little bit more when it comes to that first game. It does wind up helping you out and I do think that the rest is going to be helping out the Colorado Avalanche a little bit more moving forward during the season but I do think that it is a little bit of a detriment to them in game one. I did not wind up taking yet Andre Vasilevsky to be able to win the con Spites but him at $4, that is something that I feel like it's a little bit too low of a price. I mean, you've got Kucherov, who's also at 4-1 to when it comes to Lightning, and if they do wind up being able to pull out the series, like I think that there's a good possibility of them being able to do so. At plus 150, it does wind up appealing to me. You've got to think that Vasilevsky should be the short shot of the Lightning to be able to hoist that trophy. So I think that that's something to take a look at. He's right now the hottest goalie on the planet, and with the Colorado Avalanche going to be very interesting to see if they're able to get their goals or not because this is a total of six. You wind up seeing the totals in the Avalanche series against the Oilers after game one into game two. Those totals reach as high as 7.5. Meanwhile, if you were taking unders in the Lightning versus the Rangers series, if you were betting on the unders, you got everyone except for game one to wind up coming through for you. I think that the lightning gonna be able to do a good job with Vasilevsky and goal. I like them in game one. I like them for the series as well. What else I love? Just the fact that we've got so much going on in the sports world. And if you're listening to the replay of this show, follow the money, that is gonna be coming up next. As we've got you covered with a little bit of everything right here on V the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is vCyn, the sports betting network.
5: Whether you're a novice or a seasoned veteran in the sports book, vSIN is here to help you improve your sports betting skills. vCN has assembled the leading team of insiders and handicaps. work.
2: Zumo Play.